All right, bradcooney.com. I'd like to welcome in the former European and intercontinental champion, D'Lo Brown. What is up, D'Lo? Brad, how you doing, bro? Everything is good in my world. How about you? I'm doing good, man. It's always good to see you guys when you come into uh, uh, Mississippi with TNA Impact, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But before we get rolling um, about what you're doing currently, I want to talk a little bit about um, D'Lo back in the day. Um, talk a little bit about your wrestling uh, career before the WWE and the uh, TNA career. Well, you know, a lot of people know that, you know, I started out wrestling, uh, I was a backyarder. Don't tell anybody that between <laughs> you and me, Brad. Don't tell anybody else. Okay. Uh, I was a backyarder, and me and my best friend used to, uh, to jump around the backyard. And through that, um, through a series of happenstances, I ended up in a wrestling ring, renting a wrestling ring at Larry Shope's Monster Factory, and we would put on our own little pay-per-views. Um, hmm. We had our own paper mache belts and all that stuff. Wow. I like going by that. <laughs> and um, one day, Larry Sharp, he stood around and watched, and he, you know, at the time, I was 400 pounds, and I was jumping around. You know, I've always been, always been very, very athletic. Hmm. Um, so he saw me jumping around at 400 pounds and said, hey, you, you're pretty athletic, you're pretty nimble, you ever think about doing this for real? And I said, you know, yeah, I might be kind of cool. So he said, you can be on my next show if you sell 50 tickets. Hmm. So I said, cool. I took the 50 tickets, I sold four, bought the other 46 myself, <laughs> that was my introduction into pro wrestling. That's great, man. That, that's, that's business savvy and you do what you got to do. Um, what was it, though, that initially got you interested in wrestling, even this, the backyard wrestling? It was just a natural passion that you had? I have loved wrestling since the time I was seven years old. It was, and it's ironic, it was this time of year that got me into wrestling because I'm not the biggest baseball guy. Mm. And as soon as football season is over, um, to me there's nothing. And I'm not, I, I like basketball, but I was never a basketball guy either. So there was just this drought of things for me to cheer for. Um, and then I found wrestling didn't have a season. So I got every Saturday, I got to watch guys like, you know, and you'll know these names, guys like Junkyard Dog and Ted DiBiase. And, oh, yeah. you know, I watched, you know, the guys at UWF at Mid-South and the guys at the NWA. And, you know, I was a big Dusty Rhodes fan and Arn Anderson fan and Ron Simmons fan. So I got to, I got to see these guys every week. And it didn't end. It just kept going and going and going. And there was a point where I would watch wrestling more than I would watch football. It was, Mm-hmm. I spent Saturday morning, we used to have a, in my neighborhood, you know, our television station, we'd have a block, and it was, it was four hours, and at 10 o'clock in the morning, we got, we got Mid-South, at 11 o'clock, we got the AWA, at 12 o'clock, we got the NWA, and at 1 o'clock, we got the um, WWF, mm-hmm. so that's, I got a four-hour window of wrestling, and it was like, I spent all morning <laughs> watching wrestling. And I have just been a fan since I was a kid. And I remember having a conversation with my sister when I was 13. And she said to me, why do you... And, and she actually reminded me of this years later. Um, she said, why do you watch this? And I told her, I was like, I'm going to be one of them one day. Wow. And she kind of giggled. And then probably five years ago, she reminded me of that conversation. Isn't that something, That's man? How much I'm, I've always loved wrestling. That's awesome. Now, you came up, you know, you climbed up the ropes like a lot of people have, um, signed a contract with the WWF, I believe it was in 95 or close to that. Um, yeah. What, what was it, though, D-Lo, what was it about um, your game, your wrestling, 
um, that separated you and got the WWF interested in you because, as you know, it's like just like pro baseball, pro basketball, pro whatever. It's it's just you know a certain percentage make it to that level. So, what was it about you that got the the industry interested the most? You know, it, it, and I tell everybody, it's about the right timing. It's about luck. It's about your skill. It's about opportunity, and that's the you know the intersection of hard work and perseverance. And and when you get there, you. Just show what you got. And luckily for me, um, I spent some time in smoking on wrestling. So um, when Jim Cornette and Jim Ross had gone back up to the WWF, um, they were telling people the stuff that I was doing that smoking on wrestling, which mm. is, you know, at the time, you know, a 400 pound man shouldn't jump off the top rope and jump over the top rope and fly <laughs> like I did. And that's what kind of made me different where I was a big guy that I moved around like someone a lot smaller than I should have been. And so when the opportunity came up to that they were creating the nation, um, they needed a guy who could who could who could do some stuff without the, the stars getting beat up, you know, mm. for lack of a better term. And so when that opportunity arose, I was the first name that got thrown out, and um, I'll never forget it. Uh, it was January uh, January fourth, nineteen ninety seven, in New York City, Shotgun Saturday Night, where Ahmed Johnson Furrow punched me on the top of a Lincoln. And um, from that point forward, Vince McMahon sung my praises. So I was. Wow. It was the right time, right circumstance. And when you get the opportunity, no matter what's asked of you, you have to do it the best you can possibly do it, and mm. good things will happen. Yeah, you definitely seized upon that opportunity. All right, so you did your thing until around 2002, and then you ended up getting into the developmental part of the uh, of the sport. Um, I guess scouting and looking at things like that. Did you enjoy that part of it? That part of the business with WWF? Yeah, that was my first. Yeah, that was my first dip into what I'm doing now. Was right. I went down to uh, uh, WWF's developmental at that time is WWE. Their developmental territory up in. Um, I spent some time down in Puerto Rico in their developmental territory in IWA, and then I went up to HWA up in Cincinnati, and there I was helping train, helping run the promotion, and uh, helping evaluate younger talent. Um, and that was kind of I don't I liked it but I wasn't ready for it at the moment mm. where I still had I still had years that I wanted to do in the ring right. so I wasn't ready at that point to segue way into an office uh, type role so that's why eventually I left the company and then went over to uh, continue my career in Japan and now currently you work for uh, TNA Impact Wrestling which I happen to love um, I think it's a really good product you guys are doing and the crowds are good. And you, you had a really good showing in Vicksburg, Mississippi, recently. Um, when you when you doing your job, when you, when you're looking at talent, um, what is it that you look for in a wrestler, a backyard guy, or one of the indie guys that gets your attention the most, that gives somebody the best chance to make it to the next level? You know, it, it, it's a bunch of things. It's, it's charisma. It's in ring ability. It's, it's the ability to talk. Um, it's a lot of things that you see all at once. There's some guys who have that instant impact where they just walk in the room and you go, I don't know what he does, but he does something. Mm. There are very few of those guys. Um, you know, like a guy like The Rock has. Right. Or a guy like Jeff Hardy has that thing. You don't know what it is, it's just there, and they have too much of it. Um, but when it comes to evaluating younger talent, you have to evaluate them on their fundamentals of wrestling. Um, ability to hold a conversation because that's their ability to talk. And then when you get them in the ring, you just 
see how they move around and see how they control the situation. And things like that help you evaluate them as a town. What's some advice you can share with a kid or a young man that's, or, or a female, because women wrestling is really, really popular now too, uh, what's some advice you can share for those that, that want to try to make it to the next level? Um, the biggest piece of advice I would give would be go to college first. Mm. And that's probably not the most popular thing is, but um, you always need to have a fallback plan because in wrestling the only thing that's guaranteed is one day you'll hang your boots up. It's the only guarantee you get when you walk in the door of a wrestling school to learn how to do this. Is one day you will finally go home and put your boots in the closet. Right. Other than that, other than that, um, you need to have perseverance. It takes a thousand no's to get the first yes. Ah, uh, yeah. You have to have. You have to just work harder than anybody else. And when people tell you you can't do this, why are you doing this? It's a joke. What you're trying to do? Use that as fuel. Get better at your craft, practice your craft, and and if you do that, if you do those things, then I use the term good things will happen, and that's true. Now, when you look back at your career, Dilo, what's what's the highlight, man? What, what, what's the most proud, the most highlight point of your wrestling career when you look back? You know, I, I, have, I have several moments that I, I I go I go wow, how the hell was that me in that situation? But I think. Um, if I were to pick one moment, people go, you know, people ask me, is it the time when you, you know, had the European Intercontinental title belt? And, and no. My favorite moment was in um, SummerSlam 1998. Me and Valdez opening up the show at Mad Square Garden. We had a 20-minute match. And as you know, New York fans are the most fickle. Either they love you or they oh, yeah. hate you. There's no in-between. <laughs> yep. And if you can make it in the garden, then there's no building in the world you can't play. And during that match, I had a D-Lo chant and a D-Lo sucks chant. So that means I touched them in many way. different ways. They, you know, they, I, I, it was there. And that was not just me. That was me and Valvinas working together. Mm -hmm. But um, and, and I've asked him on several occasions what was his favorite match, and he'll tell you the exact same thing as SummerSlam 98 Met Square Garden. So mm. to me, that is one of those... those um, You know, and it's, and it's a good point you make because in boxing, I cover boxing, mixed martial arts. We got a guy named Floyd Mayweather Jr. and you're a boxing fan. You know, you know who I'm talking about right away. Floyd Mayweather is the heel um, in boxing and pro boxing. Yet he does a lot of really good things that, that the media doesn't really touch on. Also, but my point is, people pay tickets, even those who do not like him, because they want to see him lose, which hasn't happened yet. But that's kind of what you're saying, though, right? I mean, as, long, as long as you get butts in the seats, that's huge. If you get butts in the seats, that's, that's the biggest thing you can do to show what you can do. But when you have a match, the worst thing you can have is silence. Right. That means you're not, you're not, you're not evoking any kind of emotion out of people whatsoever. But if you're a heel and you get them to hate on you and love on you in the same match, you're doing some work now. Mm. That's that's tremendous. That's that's moments as a performer you live for. Yeah, Bully Ray comes to mind. He, he he's a guy that he's well known all over the place, and he's been a heel for a long time. And he but people come to see him. And that, that's absolutely right. I mean, and he was a heel for a long time, and, and now he's a baby face. And, and, mm -hmm. and the thing is, as a 
people should pay to come see you lose. And as a base face, people should pay to come see you beat the heel you want to see lose. That's right. And if you get that combination, then that's how you put butts in seats. That's what's up. All right, what's the biggest, in your opinion, the biggest disinformation about pro wrestling? It's something you just want to grab somebody who's a critic by the years and teach them. What's the biggest disinformation out there about pro wrestling? That wrestling is fake. Yeah. Um, it may be predetermined. The finish may be predetermined, but, you know, people say you fall on a trampoline and it's not real. I, I tell people this analogy, and, and I would love them to do it. Get in your bed lay on the edge of your bed and roll and fall on the floor. Get back up in the bed and repeat that 30 times. <laughs> that's, that's what we do in one night. So, for someone to say it's fake, ask my wife if it's fake. When she sees me, I can't get out of bed in the morning. Mm. Ask, ask, ask my chiropractor who has to fix my back. Ask my, ask my you know, orthopedic who I've had four surgeries in the last, in the last nine months fixing 20 years of falling like that. Right. You know, the one thing that's not faking this world is gravity. And the day you can tell me how to fake gravity is the day I'll tell you wrestling's fake. Up until then, just because the finish may be determined, the rest of it is as hard-hitting as any sport I've ever been a part of. I mean, there's nothing fake about jumping off the top of a steel cage through a table. I mean... No. <laughs> how that's fake, I don't know. It's simple physics. Take a 250-pound man, put him 15, 16 feet in the air, and tell him to jump off and land on top of somebody. You know, me, crashing down with a tremendous amount of force. I don't care if you think it's fake or not. You know, me and Devon were talking when you guys were in Vicksburg about when he was with WWE with uh, with Bubba Ray, Bully Ray back Bubba back then, and they were they were. Remember May Young? I mean, they were they were dropping May Young through t through, a t through a table off of off of a freaking what fifteen foot high twenty foot high stage. What, 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 what? Stage to the floor through a table. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what is fake about that? <laughs> and, and, and that's I, I tell people, you know, you have your you have the right to your own opinion. Yeah, and I don't begrudge anyone that, but do what I do for a week and then see if your opinion changes. Man, it's a rough road, man. You know, we've lost a lot of wrestlers over over the years. Um, you know, a lot of different ways people passed away. But without getting really into too deep on that, wh why do you think that is? Why why has wrestling wrestling lost so many good names? You know, that that's a good question, and, and and we have debated that in our locker room a ton of times. And I I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's it's the hard lifestyle in terms of you know the travel. Um, being in being in twenty cities and twenty nights, uh, I, I don't know, and, and I wish I could put my finger on it. I really do, because if someone could figure it out, we would have we would have avoided a lot of loss. Um, mm. I, I just I, that one has baffled me, and trust me, I have probably lost. And this is scary. I've probably lost thirty people that I consider good friends yep. in the last ten years. And, you know, it, I just, I wish, I really, really wish we could figure out what it is because, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, can't, I, only, I can't even try to put my finger on it because it just, 
Yeah, it's mind doing It's mind boggling. It really is. It's baffling the amount of, of names and big 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 names too, man. I mean I'm, I'm sure some names underneath the radar, but some really, really big superstar names. And recently we almost lost Jerry the King Lawler too, and I, that happened live on T V, almost died of a heart attack. How crazy was that? That was outrageous when I, I wasn't even watching, I heard about it and I was like, Are you are you kidding? And you know, the cynical side of me was first thing I thought was is this a storyline? I did too. And and then quickly I, I in, in calling a couple friends realized this was as real as it gets. And I was like, Wow. Yep. You know, and and, and, and Lawler, I've known him for a long time. He keeps himself in great shape. Yeah, he does. Um, even at advanced age, he's probably in better shape than most kids a half his age. Um, and so it, it's just it's just one of those things. It, it's just baffling. Yeah, I watched that. I actually watched that live. And I knew it wasn't fake when I heard, I actually, I actually heard gurgling. And I said, nah, there's no, they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't fake that. They wouldn't, they, they wouldn't write that into it. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that's when I was like, uh-oh. And then they cut, you know, they went to black. And I knew something. Then I can tell right away in, um, in the face expressions of everybody when they went back live. I said, oh, this is the real deal. Yeah, you know, thankfully, um, you know, he came out the other side and yep. he made a full recovery and, you know, the man talked about getting back in the ring and wrestling again, so yeah. God love him. Absolutely. God love him. All right, let's go back positive. A couple more things I'll let you go. Uh, TNA, TNA Impact, big plans for 2013 with your road shows, man. Talk about that a little bit. Man, what a huge step for our company. I mean, it is just the natural, the next evolution in, in, in our growth. And it, it's one of those things where, you know, we need to take our product and show it to everybody and bring it to your hometown. And and ironically, the first place we're going is Chicago, Illinois on March 14th, um, you know, a place that's near and dear to my heart. And I, I will tell you, if you get a chance to see an Impact Wrestling show live, if you get a chance, the ability to go out and see it, trust me, you will not be disappointed. It is one of the best shows put together that I've ever seen. I've, I've wrestled in more places than I can even count. And, it, you know, not that I'm just I'm part of the product. It is the fact that we've got a great combination of mm. talent, um, in-ring ability, storyline, and then we're an interactive show. Yeah. We allow the fans to be part of the action. You don't just pay and come and watch us. It's not a movie. You are part of the live action, and that's what's fun. That is very, very, very big point you make, and I was actually segues in to my next point was what I noticed because I come to all your shows, all the Impact shows that come to Mississippi. One of the things I noticed and really appreciate with TNA Impact is just how fan friendly the company is and how accessible they make their stars, the TNA Impact wrestler stars, to the fans. Um, it's very, very, very impressive. Yeah, true. And if, 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 if they're not, look, these are tough times, and it is hard to earn a dollar. And you need to show appreciation to anyone who's willing to come and pop down money to come see your form entertainment. So you not only have to give them their money's worth, you have to go above and beyond to get them to come back. Right. And that's what we do. We give them their money's worth plus. And that's how, that's how we've been growing as a company. 
you know, I saw Jeff Hardy. Not this. Actually, I did talk to him this, last week, but at the time you guys came previous to this last week, I watched. I sat and watched him sign autographs, and he was hugging the kids and taking pictures with the fans. And he was like, you can tell he was in pain because his back's bothering him. And he just, he, you know, it just didn't phase him though, man. He, he was putting smiles in those kids' faces. And he sat there until the last fan walked away. I mean, it must have been an hour or an hour and a half he was signing autographs. And that's, that's, what, that's what it's all about. And that's what we do because the fans, they don't care if our back hurts. They don't care if, if we have a cold. They don't care if we had an argument with our wife that morning. And that's, that's not a bad thing. They want to see the stars that they pay to see and they want to see them entertained. Right. And that's what we give them. We don't let them know that, you know, our back hurts or our leg hurts or, you know, the water bills do. What we show them, what we give to them is the purest form of sports entertainment we can give them. And we give it to them plus. And, and like I said, I, I, I believe in the direction of this company. I believe in, 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 in how our fan friendliness will take us to that next level. And I, I implore, if you, if you get a chance to come see an Impact Wrestling show live, do yourself a favor and come see it because, you know, you'll leave a fan. Yep. Even if you walk in not one. Yeah, I mean, I saw that. The, the, the shows I go to, the fans are always... They, when they leave the doors, man, the, the TNA Impact fans are smiling. They get their money's worth. Um, so what else are you working on, D'Lo? Any other projects that you're working on personally other than the uh, wrestling thing? No, right now it's just wrestling. My other big project is, uh, is the TNA Gut Check, is, is, is our form of um, looking for that next great talent. It's, our, it's our part of our developmental food chain, and, and it's our, my way of going out there. And We hold seminars all around the country um, looking for prospective talent. You know, I can't go to every independent show around the country, but I can, I can plop in one city and say, you guys come to me. 20, 30 guys come to me, a couple girls come to me, and now let me evaluate you and tell you what you're not doing or tell you what, say you're doing a right or wrong. Mm. And evaluate you, and if, if someone jumps out at me, you know, you never know. Look at a guy like Crimson or Joey Ryan or, you know, go down the list of Jesse Sorensen. Right. You know, these are all people who came through gut check. These are all people who, at one point, were standing on a floor listening to me talk, trying to show me what they can do. So, you know, for information on that, go to tnagutcheck.com. Um, and, you know, who knows? You could be the next great star. Absolutely. D'Lo, it's been an honor to talk to you, man. I really, really appreciate you coming on board my podcast show. Do you have any closing thoughts you want to share with all the TNA Impact Wrestling fans? I just tell you this, guys out there, I appreciate your support for the company and for me all these years. Um, I still love being out there. I still love entertaining. I still love walking through the arena, shaking your hand. So if you see me, come up and say hi. If you look on my Twitter at Brown 75 uh, a ton of people post pictures that they take with me at the arena. <laughs> so I'm out there. I'm out there for everybody to see. And, uh, you know, come on and support Impact Wrestling. See, Impact Wrestling, it is, it is growing and it's growing fast. So... Get in while you can, because soon the train's going to be going way too fast.